Hello and welcome to the Violin Geek Podcast. I'm Laurel Thompson and today we're going to be talking about some tips and tricks for memorizing music. This topic comes up very frequently in my violin teaching studio, particularly when it comes time to start preparing a piece for a recital or an audition or a jury, something like that. And those are the places where we'll, we'll mostly find the need to memorize. We won't find it so much in orchestra or symphony, um, although sometimes memorizing short passages can be helpful um, there, but it's it's not really necessary, it's not traditional, but it is traditional when we're going to be standing up as a soloist and performing, or um, not as much in chamber music, but but sometimes maybe if we're, um, if we're doing like a duet or something like that. And uh, anyway, I have never really had much trouble memorizing, and I'm very grateful for that because a lot of people have a lot of trouble. People who are very good musicians have trouble memorizing, so if you're one of those people, don't feel like there's something inherently wrong with you. Um, I don't know exactly what it is, why some people memorize easier than others, but um, anyway, since I have never had that problem, I put this question out, um, how do we memorize best to the Facebook violinist community and also a couple other forums out there. And it took a while to get some responses, but um, I was actually very surprised at, once I was getting responses, how many opinions there were a, around memorizing and how to memorize and, and actually particularly why to even bother memorizing, which I thought was really interesting because... I've been teaching for almost 20 years now and <laughs> I think I've always had my students memorize and it's just it's part of it's part of musicianship I feel to um to be able to go off the page from time to time even if it's um not necessarily all the time like I said before. Anyway, so I'll be sharing some tips and tricks from some forum readers as well as my own and um yeah, this can be be a continuing topic if you have any more that you'd like to add, go ahead and find my Facebook page, Laurel Thompson Music, L-A-U-R-E-L-T-H-O-M-S-E-N, and go ahead and post your idea to my wall. I'd like to, um, to see what you're up to when you're memorizing. So we know about the brain and how, um, you know, it, it, it tends to just want to juggle a few things at a time, right? So I think we, we kind of have to use that to our advantage when we're, we're memorizing. And what I find with memorizing that helps me the most, and I find it most challenging when, when maybe I'm playing a piece that seems very similar, actually, but maybe just a little bit different. Like, let's say we have a piece and it's um, just a really basic A-A-B-B type structure. Um, if, if you have no idea what I'm talking about there, um, go find, you know, like a simple, a simple fiddle tune would be a great example. And we have one phrase, and oftentimes that A part might be made up of actually two, two bigger phrases, and within those um, two bigger phrases might be even two smaller phrases, you know, but, but just starting to get the structure of that. So anyway, so that would be the A part. We, we could take Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, for example. Da, 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 da. There's one mini phrase. It does not have a complete ending or a complete cadence there. Da, 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 da. There it does. You could take a bow right there, and that would be the end of your piece. Um, then we'd go into the B section, right? Da, 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 It's nice to know that both of those, you're hearing both of, both of those phrases, they're exactly the same. And then you go back. Da, 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 the actual ending, and um, yeah, so basically an A, B, A structure. 
And it's nice to start to, when we're learning when we're learning a piece, even even if we're not going to memorize it, it's it's nice to have just in the very beginning when you're playing through it the very first time, just to have a really good understanding of that structure and what might be different. Now, Twinkle is the same, you know, the A is the same as the other A, but sometimes, you know, you might have an A in the next A section you come to, which is pretty much a repeat. It might be just a little bit different. So when I'm memorizing and I'm having trouble with a part because it's just so similar, um, sometimes it comes down to just one or two little notes for me where it's like, those are the landmark notes. Um, I actually have this piece that I wrote. And if you um, want to download my, my uh, EP light and shadow, um, there's a song on there called Unexpected Waltz and um, basically going from the A section into the B section um, it's like an A B structure and then um, on my CD I had a dobro coming in and, and doing another uh, solo and then I come back in and I basically do the A B part again but I mixed it up just ever so slightly and there's just this one little note and basically um, I just have to remember first time through go to an F, second time through go to an E and then I'm good to go for the whole piece. So that's that can be how easy memorization can be. Just remembering that one little that one little um, you know um, sign along the road essentially as I'm playing through my piece and oh Okay, this is the part where I have to go to the F. Okay, playing through, da 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 da, da. here we go. Now I'm gonna play the E and I'm good to go. If I mess that up and I change that around and it's always, you know, I, I won't go to a different note, I'll, I'll just switch it around and accidentally go to the E first. And then, oops, now I go to the ending part. So so it's like kind of this little train and if I get onto the wrong track, then I, um, I get off, you know? So that's my problem sometimes. And I just have to figure out what those little landmarks are in my piece. But let's say that you are just having trouble memorizing at all, um, even just a few notes. Um, well, so this idea that you know the, the brain can only handle kind of a few different pieces of information. So we talked about structure. So we can structure the piece and we know, okay, A part's the same as the other A part, B part in the middle is like this, you know, that might be enough. But maybe it's just even the notes that go into those sections. So breaking it down even further, you know, can we do just a few notes at a time? And what I find is really helpful is if you are able to really internalize the melody and like if you could sing it in the shower um, that would be the first step and when I come across students who are having a lot of trouble memorizing I ask well do you do you really feel like you have a sense of how the piece sounds or are you just reading the notes on the page and they're like yeah no I couldn't sing this you know, if my life depended on it, it's like, okay, well, then you definitely can't memorize it. Um, so we had a, um, a forum reader um, named Vera saying, sing it from beginning to end in your head. Pick a random point and play from there. I didn't learn to memorize until I was in college. I'm sure I did some, but a certain teacher I had helped me become more confident of playing without music. During the process, I often had the music on the floor. So I had to stop and find the spot I was having trouble with rather than just look at the stand and go on. I have been retired now for five years, so this is fun for me to think back to all those things. Anyway, thank you, Vera. Um, yeah, so so sing it from the beginning to end in your head. Make sure that you have that internal recording, is what I call it, and that is so strong in you that 
um, that you're, you're, you're able to internalize the piece. However, people do have trouble with memorization um, and, and applying memorization to, say, their performance when it is this long train that cannot be broken, this long string of notes that cannot be broken. Um, so an example of that might be, like, let's say you make a mistake and then you can't really get back into it because, oops, I made that wrong, that one wrong note, and now that train is broken. So, um, so I do come across people like that. So um, where she was saying here, pick a random point and play from there. So that's very important. So first you might make sure that you can sing it. It might be as something as simple as Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. It might be something as complex as, you know, Tchaikovsky's Violin Concerto. I don't know. Probably somewhere in between would be a good place to start. So then um, once you have, once you know that you can, you can sing it in the shower, you can sing it in your car, you can take a walk and be singing it, um, you know all of the, um, the rhythms, you know all of the pitches in your head. We actually have a, a term for it called audiation, is this, this ability to play music in your head. Um, and if you've ever had a, a song that you heard on the radio, usually some really annoying um, but catchy tune, right? If you've ever had it stuck in your head, then you you can definitely audiate and you need to learn how to do that with your pieces. And um, it's just a matter of, um, you know, if, if you're having trouble with that, listening to it and then, you know, listen to a small section, turn it off. Okay, can I, can I listen to that internal recording in my head? You don't have to sing it out loud, but you want to be able to hear that, that piece going in your head. So then can you start to basically orient your violin to what you're hearing in your head, which is, is really nice, actually, when you're going back to your sheet music. And if in some way you can do kind of like a sight singing, what someone might do if they're singing from music, if you can essentially look at some music and say, yep, yeah, that's going to sound like that. That's actually really helpful for um, when you're when you're sight reading, um, you know, something, some new piece of music, if you can already look at it and have this idea, maybe not perfect, but you have this idea of, of how it's going to sound, what the pitches are going to be like, how the rhythms are going to proceed, you know, um, that can be really helpful. And, and that's a step that we can, we can take from this memorization process. So, um, so yeah, so starting to, to break it down into little chunks, you know, the intro, couple measures, you know, can you play it back on your violin? And then can you link it to the next little section? You know, we chunk it down into something that's, that's, um, you know, non-threatening essentially, you know, and, um, and you can even use little, um, sticky notes that can be kind of nice to stick sticky notes over certain sections. You know, you could have a page and, and, um, you could even put like a, just a couple sticky notes over a couple measures on the page. And then you have your music in front of you, right? You're reading through it. And then you get to those parts where the sticky notes are and, and you can't see the notes, right? So can you still play through it and not lose your timing, you know, set the metronome and, and see if you can even do it that way to challenge yourself, you know, just to keep going and, and move those sticky notes around. Um, that's one idea how you can chunk it down. Um, this lady liked to put it on, on the floor so that it wasn't, you know, it's like she really had to look down um, to, you know, to, to find the, the music. And, um, you know, it's not just kind of right there in front of you. I find that it's much better when you're memorizing rather than to immediately give in. Like, you know, you're playing through and you get to a note and it's not right. And then immediately you glance over to the page. It's like, it's not going to um, challenge you to figure it out. Because I think 
it's a lot of ear training. Like I've been talking about being able to sing in your head, right? So let's say you're playing a little section and you're doing one of your little chunks that you've carved out of your piece and you get to a certain note and it's wrong. And instead of immediately looking to the page, try and check in with your internal recording and, and play that in your head and get to that, that note that was off and see if you can hear it in your head what the note was supposed to be. And then search around on your violin. You might have to try eight different pitches until you get to it. Um, you know, but, but do that before you go back and look at, at the page and, um, and give in to that, you know, that need to immediately be right. You know, just, just kind of be an explorer there for a little while, you know, even if, if it takes a couple minutes. So then this other lady um, named Maria said, don't try to learn long parts. So that's basically what, what we're talking about. Choose a small portion, maybe eight bars. I would say even less, you know. If you're just starting out, maybe just do a couple measures and play them several times. Practice the shifts, the bowings, the intonation. Use a metronome. That's something that we often don't do when we are memorizing. Um, but it just as you would want to put a metronome on when you're learning your orchestra music because hey the conductor's not going to be slowing down for you right um you would want to use your metronome especially if you're going to be playing a piece with an orchestra or with um you know other other people make sure that you're right on um she says uh soon you will know that section by heart then move on to the next eight bars or a similar place um so she's saying you know what she likes to do what i'm reading as um how I'm interpreting this anyway is that, yeah, basically she's like going through an A section and she's memorizing that and then maybe going to a similar A section or, you know, um, not mixing it up too much, just kind of learning all the different parts. Um, she says she works a lot with colors. Um, she marks identical music with the same color, putting red for the technically difficult parts. And, um, yeah, she'll mark the theme in. Anyway, so she says, mark up your music. Where the part ends, the new section begins. So that's what I was talking about. And she's actually color coding her music. So um, so what I, what I started with, with the structure of music, that might be a tool, you know. Or you could also put A section, B section, you know. But I like the idea of colors. And I, um, I've definitely used colors with students before there was one student in particular I can remember way back when and that seemed to really help her out and then some sometimes um you know we need to think about are we are we really an, an auditory learner because some for some of us having this idea of audiation and the music being recorded in our head is something that's just second nature you know when we when we're when we quit practicing for the day we're we're humming what we were just practicing for the rest of the evening you know and, and it's just something that comes really naturally other people are much more visual and, and some people are more tactile learners so um so there are you know there are different ways where we might do that what i what i wouldn't suggest doing too much is relying too much on like a a visual photograph of your music um, that also seems to draw students into, you know, trouble, trouble spots sometimes when, when that kind of visual, um, deteriorates, you know, um, it's hard to, it's hard to keep lots of notes in our head if we're, if we're thinking of them as notes. So, so I would say as much as possible, if you can kind of transfer that sort of learning into more of a tone, you know, and if you can really connect your ear and, and it could be a visual, it could be a visual sense. And what I find with the more tactile learners, like we don't want the memorization just to be sort of this muscle memory because um, that can also lead to those problems 
problems like where you're playing a recital and your muscles slip up for a minute and then you can't jump back in. So you definitely want to make sure you have an intellectual awareness of the music and that's kind of what I'm talking about with structure and knowing the melody and being able to jump in at different points. Um, and that that could be something, let's see I'm thinking just kind of stream of consciousness podcast here, but I'm thinking how could we practice that if you if you um, like my example of the music sort of being a, a long string, a train that can't be broken or we can't jump back in. Um, as far as the, the auditory sense, you know, if you had a recording of the music and you were to, um, especially now with computers and stuff, everything's pretty much on the computer. So you can drag and drop where, um, where you're starting any piece of music. And let's say you're doing, um, maybe a, a movement from, yeah, from some solo Bach and, and you could drag and drop that little needle essentially, but on the computer, right? Anywhere you want within that. And then can your auditory sense of the piece keep going from there? You know, after just listening to a measure or two of music, um, that might be an interesting way to test that. Um, certainly with your sheet music, you know, just, um, choosing different spots and okay, can I jump in there and then look away and can I keep going? you know, um, give yourself different little cues, um, how to jump in. So I would definitely, definitely train that. And if you feel like it's mostly just a muscle memory and that's how you memorize. And if, you know, you started off as a young child, maybe with the Suzuki method and stuff, um, in, you know, in a lot of cases there, it's, it's a, it's a muscle memory attached to also an auditory memory. And that's a pretty good combination actually. But as you get older, it is good to add the more intellectual part in there. Um, you know, just knowing the notes and the rhythms isn't really going to be the full expression of music as well. So making sure that when you're memorizing and you're creating that internal recording, um, that you're adding the bowings in there and the dynamics in there and uh, you're thinking about the shifts and, and you just you, you have these little landmarks along the way. Sometimes like I was giving that example of one of my compositions earlier, um, going to F instead of E, you know, um, sometimes I've had those landmarks in pieces that I've been memorizing as being like I'm in a certain position or, um, you know, the music goes from major to minor and just different things like that can be really helpful. We have another reader who is talking about um, this idea of connectivity and um, how it's in, it's important to make sure that the connections between different phrases are really solid. And I find that to be very true for pieces in general, whether or not you're memorizing. But when I go through with a, with a student and we chunk it down and put brackets around the parts that are the most challenging and that they should be focused on first, it's often the parts where they're transitioning from one section to the next. Sometimes it's even, you know, they're going from a first ending um, like repeat section to a second ending repeat section they think oh I'm not really going to practice those and it's like those are the ones that trip them up so all these little details are really important and you want to make sure that you're not um, you're not leaving them out when you're memorizing and um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think there is a, some something to be said for kind of building up your memorization. And if you can't even really get the notes, then yeah, you should probably get the notes first and the rhythms, and then you can add the other stuff in later. But in some sense, what I find with memorization, what I what I've seen in students is um, it kind of it kind of all has to go in there at the same time. So I would say that. Uh, much more so than when you're learning a piece and you can kind of chunk it down and maybe take out bowings in the beginning because you want to make sure you get the notes in tune and all of that kind of stuff that could be a good practice when you're just practicing in general might not be serving you best when you're memorizing just because you know you memorize it wrong and then it's really hard to to change that um, that habit once it's in there and you've learned it without slurs or whatever. So definitely say, try and add in as many little details as possible. And that's where the chunking it down to really small sections that you can really grasp can be really helpful. So I'm going to go through a few more tips from these um, forum readers here. And um, yeah, you know, I think any of these could could be good tips here, and um, I haven't necessarily tried all of them, but I think it's it's worth uh, you know trying these out, and then I'll I'll talk a little bit at the end of the podcast here about some um, some things that memorization might do for you. Um, so let's see, we had um, one lady named Rebecca talking about how playing the piece, um, quote unquote, playing the piece without your instrument, just sort of miming the parts can be helpful for her. And, um, you know, if you can, if you can kind of, um, memorize the bowings that way and, and just sort of mimic the sounds you're hearing essentially in your internal recording. Um, so I think that that's, that's totally valid and I have totally done those things. I'm taking a walk and my, my left hand fingers are sort of you know, tapping out the the right parts in the right time and stuff. And, and I think I'm practicing. I definitely think I'm getting better when I'm doing that. So yeah, that and the, um, you know, hearing, hearing that internal recording while you're doing it, you know, I think that you can get just as much practice out of that as probably actually with your instrument. Um, it's not quite as precise, but, um, but it, you know, it's, it's going to get you down the road for sure. Um, I guess there's one more that's kind of different. There was a lot of repetition, um, you know, a lot of people saying basically chunk it down, gradually piece the chunks together, stuff like that. But there was one lady that had an interesting idea to um, a woman named Amelia, and she was saying um, that she she tries to play and practice the pieces in sections and basically makes up a, a story for each section in the song. And she says, from a psychological standpoint, making a story to go with the music not only satisfies auditory and visual stimuli, but it, but is a tactile way to memorize. It also helps me learn the history of a piece, and that aids in my memorization skills as well. So I thought that was kind of an interesting, an interesting idea, and I definitely... I don't know if that, I mean, I can imagine it might help with memorization. I definitely have students um, kind of for expression. We'll go through pieces and we'll, we'll come up with different, um, you know, adjectives or a storyline to go with a piece so that they can really kind of get into it and um, express themselves. Again, all of this is pretty much for solo type, you know, personal expression and the people that were kind of getting in on the forum and saying, I don't know if memorization is really necessary. We're talking about, you know, more in an orchestral setting where, 
Yeah, there's not as much room to really express yourself as a solo performer there, obviously. You're with, you know, 20 or 40 other violins. So it's kind of all about this team effort as a whole to come up with an interpretation that everyone's going to be on board with and um, the conductor's going to be happy with and it's going to suit the the music and the, um, the tradition of playing that music. So though that's kind of a different thing. But we're talking about, you know, for recitals and... Um, you know, um, smaller, smaller chamber groups as well. Um, but yeah, so places where you're essentially going to be acting as a soloist and memorization often comes in those places. So anyways, but, um, even if you're more of a symphony player and, um, or, you know, you play in a school orchestra or community orchestra, memorization can help as well. I always remember a viola student I had years ago and, um, I'm trying to think of what the piece was. It it might have been um, the Don Juan. Ah, yeah. It's been such a long time, but it was it was one of the more challenging pieces of orchestral repertoire, and there was one section um, that had a lot of weird accidentals and. Reading the sheet music, I, I I realized that he was just kind of going through and doing note by note. And I said, okay, we need to take this in chunks more. You need to sight read this in chunks more. And, um, you know, because it also had to go very fast. And then we, we kind of got to the point where it's like, okay, you kind of just need to memorize the patterns of your fingers um, and, and the sound that goes with those patterns. And almost just kind of a look at the sheet music just sort of as a as a roadmap kind of off to the side because looking at each individual note he was getting so confused and there were so many accidentals and you know it, it just looked weird right <laughs> overwhelming just way overwhelming and um so I had him memorize that little section and then just kind of plug that in when he'd get to that part in the music you know you're going through and you're sight reading it and then, um, well, in this case, he was just reading it. He'd already been reading it many times, but uh, he's going through and reading it. And then he gets to that part and it's like, okay, now just, now just switch over to more of this muscle memory, um, internal recording moment here. And, um, and it was successful. It was very successful. And I think, um, probably a lot of orchestral players have had that experience, I've had that experience many times, and um, a lot of that just happens naturally through repetition, but it's also something that you can you can go out of your way to do like we did in order for him just to get through that section. In that case, I think it was more of a psychological barrier that he was creating um, because the music looks scary, and it was scary. So, um, but yeah, once once we kind of picked it apart and we figured out the pattern, then it was, it was much, much easier. And um, I think in general, being able to memorize gets you that much closer to the music. And again, you know, orchestral players might not think that that's really what we're supposed to be doing because we're supposed to be just, um, you know, kind of filling that spot in the orchestra and um, giving the interpretation that the whole orchestra can agree on. But um, my music is very personal to me. And whether I'm playing solo or I'm in an orchestra, um, I still feel like I, I want to have a personal connection to the music and the composer and the time period and the storyline and all of that stuff. I want it to be a really holistic experience for me. And that's how I work. So for me, memorization 
helps me to feel like, like I really know the piece inside and out. When I'm just reading it, I feel like there's always a bit of separation between me and the piece. You know, I haven't quite internalized it quite that much. And um, so that's something that it can help you with. Um, it can also help you with um, learning a certain technique. And if you're having trouble with that technique, maybe it's uh, actually one person who wrote in, they said that their teacher was help, uh, wanting them to memorize so that they could spend more time focused on the bow and the tone. And I think that that's an awesome time when memorization might really help you. I do find that students, when they're so focused on the sheet music and it's just this very intellectual process that they're not necessarily listening to themselves. But if they have this internal recording that they're trying to match with their memorized movements, um, then there's a lot more chance that they'll actually be listening to themselves. And uh, it's amazing how, how often we actually are not listening to ourselves uh, until maybe we record ourselves and then we see what's really going on. But um, but I do find that if, if a student is playing from memory, they'll often know notice the wrong notes, they'll, you know, notice the, the squeaks and, and tone, little, you know, little tone issues and stuff like that. So that can really be helpful. And um, if you're trying to, you know, especially straighten out your bow or do something a little bit more fancy in your technique, um, bowing technique, left hand technique, then getting off the page can be really helpful for that. I also think that memorization can be really a nice way to free you up to connect with other aspects of music, um, maybe even you know the other people you're playing with. If you have to be so glued to the page that you can't look away for even a moment or you'll lose your spot and you will have no idea where to go, then I feel like that's kind of a problem. And even if you do have sheet music in front of you and you're playing in an orchestra or you're playing in a quartet or something like that, but you, you literally cannot, you're so afraid to look away from the page um, that you can't you know look up at your conductor or um, notice what you know the the concert master, what, what their Boeing is doing or, or whatever. Um, it's just, it just feels really limiting as well. So, so if, if that feels like you, and, and I know there's certainly many sections in music where you will feel like that and whether you can memorize or not, that will come up again and again, you know, um, it's just something that sometimes we're just so afraid to look away that's fine. Don't worry about that. But if it's just a general theme in your life where you just can't, tear your eyes away from the page or you're, you're, you know, you're probably going to crash and burn, then I think memorizing at least little bits of the music um, can be a good step to kind of breaking away from having to be so attached to those notes and being able to, um, to connect with, with, um, you know, other players in the music. And certainly if you're going to be playing in more of a band setting or a fiddle setting, it's really nice to be able to, um, f you know, kind of make a more physical connection with your with your bandmates and with the audience. Um, in classical music, it's still pretty, pretty traditional for people to be, um, you know, to kind of have that fourth wall up and not, not really um, look at the audience so much. I, I do find it very sweet, though, when, um, you know, there's the occasional performer. I always remember this video of uh, Sarah Chang, who is playing the, um, the meditation 
Um, and she just kind of smiles at the people in the front row at one moment. And it was just very, very sweet. I think that that is totally, totally acceptable and very, it, it just adds to the, the experience for, for everyone. I think, um, I, I wouldn't be afraid of that, but you know, if you had that sheet music there, you wouldn't be able to really do that because you'd probably be too afraid to look away. So, um, so you don't want that to hold you back from what could be a really, tender and an intimate moment with, um, with a bandmate or, you know, your audience. So, um, yeah, so those are, those are basically my ideas for memorizing and why we might want to memorize. So this idea of intellectually knowing the structure of your music, um, you know, A parts and B parts and maybe C and D and E and F parts, who knows? Um, knowing, um, you know, just the basics, what key you're in, what um, your finger patterns are going to be like going along with that key, like all of that stuff would be something that you would figure out before you would be going and um, starting to memorize. You know, if you're already having trouble with um, where to place your fingers, then it's probably um, a time when you would want to uh, make sure that that's really solid before you go and um, start to start to memorize. And, um, and then chunking it down, maybe doing that idea that I had with putting post-it notes around and just seeing how much of it you might already know, you know, um, you, you might surprise yourself, um, taking little sections and making sure that, that you're adding in all the different expressive and musical elements, all the articulations and the bowings and, um, certainly the rhythms and with good intonation and having that really strong internal recording that you keep on um, referring back to. Was that how it's supposed to go? Wait, let's see. And if you come across a note and it's wrong, rather than immediately looking to the page, just going back and, okay, let's, let's kind of fish around a little bit. Is it that one? Is it that one? And um, yeah, and we had all these great tips from, from different readers. I'm really thankful of the Facebook Violinists Forum for, um, for piping in with all their ideas. And I hope some of them come and check out the podcast. And um, yeah, some different ideas for how memorization can help you, whether or not you're going to do it in, in recital or you're going to apply it to little sections of orchestra music or you're going to have it help you become a better musician overall. So I think there's a place for all of these skills in our musical toolbox. So thanks for listening today. I hope that that was helpful and you have some new ideas that you can take forward into your practice and your performance. Again, my name is Laurel Thompson and my website is laurelthompson.com. That's www.l-a-u-r-e-l-t-h-o-m-s-e-n.com. I would very much enjoy, like I said earlier, for you to go and post any of your memorization tips to my Facebook page, Laurel Thompson Music, as well as any comments, questions, suggestions, ideas for a podcast or a podcast interview that I could do in the coming months. That would be very helpful and much appreciated. You can also go and like my page there and um, yeah, just help other people come and find the page. I think just from your your um, connection with it, as well as um, if you get a chance and you download this podcast via iTunes, I always appreciate seeing new little reviews there. And all you have to do is just sign into iTunes and rate the podcast, hopefully with five stars. But you know, I want you to be honest and um, you know put put in any any good. Um, comments or, or suggestions there that might help other people have hopefully a good experience with the Violin Geek podcast. 
think everyone knows about a lot of my offerings, but in case you don't, I do teaching in person and via Skype. And I've also started doing video exchange lessons where basically um, it's really good for people who just want some some tips and maybe a second opinion. Basically, you would send me a video between, you know, 5, 10, 15 minute long video of you playing a certain section of music maybe that you're having trouble with. Then I'll send you a video response. I'll demonstrate, you know, how to change your body or, you know, how to think about it differently. Um, stuff like that. If you're looking to polish up a certain technique or learn a new technique, maybe something like vibrato, um, maybe you want to polish up some bowing, something like that, um, send me an email, laurel at laurelthompson.com, and um, we'll get you set up with either some lessons or some video exchange. Um, I also have some multimedia projects with Strings Magazine. I have a Improve Your Bowing Technique. Um, it's a video and PDF course, essentially, taking you from very basic how to hold the bow, mechanics of the bow arm, how to produce a good tone, into more advanced bow strokes. And then I also have Improve Your Violin and Viola Technique, which is also a video and PDF uh, course about um, some different aspects of violin and viola technique. Um, I've got some intonation stuff in there, both um, just general intonation and, and intonation in high positions, some um, comfort topics around getting a better violin and, or viola hold, uh, vibrato, lots of topics that people have problems and questions about. So hopefully you'll get some benefit from there. I get a lot of nice emails from people from time to time um, saying how much it helped them and um, yeah you can actually go to YouTube and see a lot of excerpts there from those um, videos if you want to get a little preview there. But I mean, basically, the type of um, instruction that I do here on the Violin Geek podcast carries over to these products, um, but just in, you know, in, in that case, in a much more um, visual way <laughs> and um, and step-by-step way. So yeah, you can find those um, probably easiest just, just to go to my site, laurelthompson.com, and to click on the writing tab, and, um, and then you can download those. Um, from there, I have some links, and uh, you can also go to my teaching page. I have some links there. I have links everywhere, just kind of scattered around. So um, yeah, improve your bowing technique and improve your violin and viola technique. You can download them chapter by chapter or as the whole course. So um, so yeah, it can be very economical if you just want to do one little thing like vibrato or something like that. So that's it for today. Until next time, happy practicing. <laughs>